you'd like to be a part of Transfer Tea, fill out our submissions form, find the link in the description or on any of our social platforms. We'd love to hear from you. Hi, welcome to another episode of Transfer Tea. Today I'm here with Clement and we're going to be talking through his very interesting transfer story. So hi Clement, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, hello everyone. Thank you Ariana for inviting me onto the podcast. Glad to be here. Yeah, let's get this thing on the way. <laughs> cool. So I think the easiest way to do this is just to start in high school. Maybe we can talk about senior year of high school. What was that like? So senior year, talking about September 2013 to be exact, came into the year really focused on basketball heavy. It was like I had a couple recruits at that time. It's kind of like figuring out my options of where I want to play. Senior year started off really fun. Went homecoming king. <laughs> that was an eventful week. Uh, made me realize that I don't want to do anything like that ever again. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was a time in my life where I was, I really had a goal set that I, I felt like I did everything I wanted to do in high school. I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I did everything I wanted to do and I knew I either wanted to go to California, New York, or Florida. And um, I was really planning on getting there through basketball. So, yeah, senior year was pretty fun. After graduation, I went into North Country Community College. It's um, in Saranac Lake, New York, far upstate. Went there on a basketball scholarship. And as I was telling you earlier, while I was there, kind of had, I guess, a, a pre-midlife crisis type thing. <laughs> I had two surgeries on, on my uh, right knee. I tore my lateral meniscus two different times. So at this point in my life, basketball was like really the foundation. It was like, I was that was my driving force for, you know, getting through school and like my motivation for pretty much everything at that point. So missing out an entire season and like that whole thing happening. I'd never been hurt before, never had any surgery, never missed a practice, you know, yeah. someone who takes pride in taking care of my body. So it was like, it was one of those things. Like just, I just felt like it was God, you know, telling me that um, he had a different route for me. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, I'm someone who always, I feel like who we are at our core started when we were really young. And, you know, when I was really young, growing up in Minneapolis, I, very artsy like i loved to draw loved to write loved to create like that was really you know my passion yeah. older i got huge kobe fan um god rest his soul i got really focused in the basketball so that's how i got to the point you know where i was able to play college basketball but once that was taken from me interestingly enough um i was taking a speech course and my professor's husband he taught the acting course at, the, at uh, my school. And once I got hurt, she was like, hey, you know, you got a little more time on your hands now. So you should take my husband's acting class. Like you're really, you know, you seem really confident in front of the class when you talk and speak. I think this is something you'd be really good at. And I, I dabbled in acting when I was, you know, younger, but I was just more into basketball. Like that's where my heart was at. So before I got injured, actually, she approached me with it. And then it was like, once she saw me coming to class with crutches, <laughs> she kind of like, you know. You have no excuse. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, you have more, 
more time now, so maybe something you can do. So I took the challenge and I decided to um, take his class and um, I got in there and he's like, hey, I hear you're a really good writer. You should, um, you know, let, let me put your, your writing skills to the test. So he had me write two different plays for, we broke the class into two. And uh, we, <laughs> it, was, it was like, you had the people who were really serious about the class and then you had like a bunch of us athletes who were like we're taking this as an elective to graduate he had me write two different scripts that would appeal to both crowds and um i ended up siding with with um with one more than the other so long story short i was through that process i really learned and really tapped into like my younger self again like just being creative Mm-hmm. And for me, I just felt like that was like, that was, you know, God opening up that path. Like, this is what I really want. Like basketball is taking you this far, but this is what I really want you to do. And sometimes I feel like he can take things away from you so you can focus on exactly what he wants you to focus on. Mm-hmm. So I think that was, that was what I really got out of that point in my life. But um, we ended up performing the play. It was great. Uh, I ended up winning Performing Arts Student of the Year. Oh, cool. Which is <laughs> pretty crazy because I was a business business administration major so everyone was like um and 2015 former our student of the year clement gibson it was like aren't you a business major like <laughs> that's so interesting yeah that was my experience at north country community college and i i'm someone who i take a lot of pride in community college because I did it two times. <laughs> so after uh, graduating with my uh, associate's degree, I still wanted to go to California. That was one of my top options and a place that I really thought I could see myself growing, especially with film. Um, so I moved there, but I wasn't ready to let go of basketball. So I went with the idea of like, you know, I'm going to play one more year and then transfer to a university in California. Didn't happen like that. Of course not. It never does. Yeah. Same same knee, same problem. Never, never healed right. Mainly my fault. I was trying to rush and come back and be Kobe. But um, once again, I learned. I learned. I had to readjust pretty much my whole life at that point. And I ended up work. I started working three jobs. I was working at a, yeah, <laughs> I was working at a uh, a movie theater. I was working at Target overnight and I was working at Cold Stone and still going to school. So um, that was that was a really crazy point in my life. But I knew it was like I didn't have scholarships to rely on anymore. I wasn't living with my parents, you know, so it was like it was time to, you know, get in my bag, as we say. And, <laughs> and you know, be an adult and handle my business. So that's something that... Um, I started to do. Then I started at Long Beach Community College. And this was really where a lot shifted for me leading up to where I am now. So while working all these jobs, I ended up leaving Target and the theater to work at In-N-Out. It's a good move. <laughs> I'm not a burger person. And I'm, I'm kind of like, if everybody's like hyping something up, like I'm always like, man, I don't know. Like, let me see how this goes. I have two friends who work in and out and they both don't, they don't eat in and out. They like aren't burger people. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, people, it's crazy. Cause you know, everybody, it's like in and out is like everything in California. Yeah, I'm a, see, I'm a big advocate for Chipotle. I love Chipotle and Cold Stone. I will ride and die for, for those two. <laughs> but 
in and out, it just, I don't know, like great people and the people love the food. It, I just was never, you know, I was never into it. But nevertheless, it was an opportunity. I made a lot of better money than I was making in other places. So I was able to join a program called Emotion Scholars while I was at Long Beach City College. And I almost didn't go on this trip because of work. I was so paranoid about falling behind financially because, you know, every, at this point in my life, everything was really like on me. Mm -hmm. So I was, I had just got a new car. I was like 21, never had a car before, barely have credit, you know, paying rent, <laughs> um, food, gas in California is not um, the cheapest place to live. No. So I was, you know, I was being very frugal with with every dollar I spent and like, you know, how I was going to spend a lot of my time. But um, I had a great counselor there, Dr. Freeman. She she didn't force me to go, but she was like, this is an opportunity you do not want to miss. So I was able to she convinced me to go on a trip mm -hmm. and it was probably one of the best decisions I made in my life. So the trip, it was an HBCU tour. And, you know, coming from Minneapolis, I didn't know much about HBCUs or the culture or anything like that. For those who don't know, HBCU is a historical black college and university to school where um, a majority of the students are African-American or black. We traveled down to the South. We went to Clark Atlanta in Georgia. We went to Mississippi, Jackson State. Did we go to Tennessee? I think so. But we traveled the South, uh, saw a lot of schools, Tuskegee, Talladega, Jackson State, as I said. Clark Atlanta, Spellman, uh, Morehouse. And while there, it's just so crazy how like life just happens sometimes. But coming from California, I was like, I just couldn't see myself living in Mississippi. So when we when we got to Jackson State, I was actually in the recruitment center. They had us all in there, you know, to give a presentation. And I just woke up and I was still kind of tired. So um, I'm kind of, you know, like dragging in in the back of the class, got my head down. And, you know, I hear, oh, you know, if you have an associate's degree and if you're in 530 Kappa, we can get you a full-ride scholarship. And I'm like, <laughs> you woke up. I was like, wait, hold on, what, what did he say? He said, said a full-ride scholarship? Because <laughs> for me, it was like growing up, Minneapolis, like, I didn't know anybody who was getting academic scholarships. It was like, everything was like, if you don't, get in at, through athletics, mm -hmm. that was it, you know? So just hearing those words, it was kind of like, what? Hold on. So, you know, it, it perked my ears a bit and I, you know, started paying attention and I applied on the spot. And um, lo and behold, I, I got accepted into the university, but then I had to, in order to get the scholarship, I had to apply for Phi Theta Kappa. At this time, I think I had one semester left and I had to get in before, I think the deadline was like January, like the beginning of the year. So it was like chasing down the advisor for it and like selling myself like, hey, I'm qualified. I'm not saying I should skip the line, but you know, this is why I should skip the line because I kind of need this to get in, you know, get my scholarship. And she was such a, um, she was so cool, Michelle Pichek. She still works at uh, Long Beach City College as well. And I was able to get in, able to get the scholarship and um, come down to Jackson State University. And my experience here was, or there was great as well. It was different for me, obviously being a black man, uh, going to like a lot of community colleges. It's 
you're you're the minority more times than not. Like I, I don't know how many classes I've had. Like outside of my teammates, like my basketball teammates, I don't know how many other black men I saw in a lot of classes. So it was it was so crazy to me, like you know, to sit in the class, especially like with these level courses with in a campus full of you know other black people. It was like. For me, like I always um, try to focus on like how am I going to stand out? Like what's what's going to be my niche? Like how am I going to leave my mark? So this was like the first time I didn't have basketball practice. I didn't have to work. I could just focus on school. So I told myself like I'm gonna I'm gonna get a 4.0 because I'm not gonna have to worry about anything with classes. But then I ended up <laughs> I ended up getting work anyways. Um, my first semester, I joined a great performing arts organization called Mad Drama, and it allowed me to like develop my craft with writing. I got a chance to like write a lot of um, plays for theater, got a lot of uh, chances to act on stage and travel to different HBCU ceremonies and um, conferences, and really got a, a good chance to, to network with a lot of different people. So once I got there, well, let me stop. You have any questions? <laughs> I'm just flowing. <laughs> it's a lot. No, it, it's just because it's like everything just led into the next thing, which is yeah. so interesting. I was just going to ask you, like, I feel like a lot of people are super hesitant to do things when it doesn't directly line up with their major. Mm-hmm. They're like, literally, like, it's like, I can't do theater or writing because I'm business admin. Like, did you have that or was it more of like, I'm just going to, I want to do like what I want to do? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's hard because there's always doubt, you know, um, I, I see myself, I'm, a, I would say I'm a pretty um, confident person, but I, I mean, confident or not, everyone has doubt, you know, at some point in their life, especially like when you, when you fail at things, like actually one of the reasons why I ended up going to Jackson State too, is because I didn't get into Cal State Long Beach. And mm-hmm. I remember I, at that time, I was switching my major from business to communications. It was it was hard and it was it was difficult. It was something you had to sit and think about, especially like at that point in my in my life. Like I was financially like paying for everything for myself, so it was like all my decisions from here on out are going to be on me. So it was like I had to make sure that when I made a decision, it was something that I was willing to stick with. But um, I'm not. I'm not scared. I'm very bold. I'm a risk taker. So, and you know, I, I just believe that um, things always work out. Like if you put the work in some way, somehow, you know, it, it may be a longer route. It may be a shorter route, but if you do, you know, put the work in and um, things, things will work out. Yeah. You don't need to, I mean, you're right. Like we all doubt everything. I feel like but there's no like point to let that hold you back. You should just kind of like use it to fuel you and keep going. Really like yeah. that. And we can totally jump back into like what it was like at Jackson State. Okay. And then I'll ask you if you follow up questions. Okay. Yeah. So Jackson State was good. Uh, my second semester at Jackson State, I joined the, the newspaper team for the Blue and White Flash. And I was really getting in. I, well, at first, I didn't even want to join. Because there's a movie called Best Man. And in the movie, this is, I'm not sure if you know who Tate Diggs is, but he's, he's an actor. And I was somebody I, I was always like, like, oh, you know who you look like? And I'm like, who? And, you know, like even in In-N-Out, like people would always 
come through the drive to like, you look like someone, you look like someone. I'm always getting different people, but like he was somebody who like, I got all the time. And um, in that movie, that was like my, the first movie I saw with him in. And in that movie, he was the editor in chief of the newspaper. And I was like, if I come to this school and start writing for the newspaper, people are really gonna think I'm him now. <laughs> and lo and behold, like my first, First year, I'm the staff writer. Next semester, I turned into the managing editor. And then my last semester, I was the editor-in-chief. And <laughs> I just, I, I started to accept that I even, my email at the time, I created, <laughs> I created an email just for my newspaper. And the picture I had was him. And it wasn't until like the end of the semester where people were like, I just realized that wasn't you in the picture. And I'm like, yeah, I figured, but <laughs> but yeah, Jackson State was good. Um, HBCUs, I think, are very important, and they opened up a lot of different opportunities for me. Um, with um, UNCF as well, their United Negro College Fund, and they help uh, they help support HBCU students get opportunities in the corporate world and you know all types of different career fields. So I was able to get an internship to work with the K through 12 education reform Walton uh, Fellowship. And uh, I was placed in Philadelphia where I worked with Master Charter School on the communication and development team. And it was an all paid internship. They, you know, housing was paid. We had a stipend every month. You know, I'm living on the 22nd floor and in the University of Penn building. So it was it was great. Um, got a chance to learn and, you know, be back in the city was really rejuvenating for that summer. Yeah, uh, I, I stuck with that. Went back to school for, for senior years. I told you I became the editor-in-chief for the newspaper. And oh, what else did I do that year? That was... That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's really cool how you let yourself explore so many different areas and we're just so open to that i think also like as we're talking and thinking about how i'm gonna we'll find these resources and put them up on like our site resource page for any students who maybe can sort of take advantage of those and be involved um because i didn't even know any of that to like even pass it on to people who ask me so those are really amazing resources shout out to your counselor at long beach <laughs> i know right I'm going to have to send this to her. Because <laughs> that's, as I said, it opened a completely different door for me. And um, since I, I now started shouting people, I got to keep shouting them out. I was telling you, I, I joined a performing arts group at Jackson State. And Dr. Mark G. Henderson, he helped me a lot, too, because I was someone who, like, when I got to Jackson, I was so focused on just getting in, getting my degree, and getting out. Mm -hmm. So um, he... He came to me because I would always post my, you know, I was always writing different scripts and screenplays, you know, and sending them back to, you know, my resources I had in uh, California. And I got to a point where I, I was kind of neglecting my present. He came to me and he's like, I always hear about your amazing scripts and these things you're writing from other people, but you've never like shown me any of your work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was telling me about the story about how like, I mean, it's Sunday, so we, we don't preach a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's telling me a story about um, how um, Jesus went to Peter and taught him to be a fisher of men. And, you know, he's like, if you never cast your net where you are, you never know what kind of fish you can, you know, pull up here. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, sat, I sat and I thought about that for a long time. 
And to this day, like every time, like I'm always, I'm always bringing that up to him because that that moment, like I, I vividly remember feeling a shift in how I felt about things. And I was like, I was like, dang, that was a really good point. So now I started writing more and that's how, you know, I was able to make a lot of connections and even get into, you know, UNTF. Um, I actually applied for a storytelling internship and didn't get that, but I got introduced to the, the one I actually ended up doing through that. So I, I say all of that to say, I, as we go on, you'll see like my story is always like, you aim for one thing, you miss the target, but because you've spent so much time focusing on this, you know, this, this shot, that it goes far enough to hit something else. And it's like, it may not be the target you wanted to hit, but you still hit something that was better for you, but you just didn't know. So it's like, if I'm only focused on this one target and I'm just shooting for this, I'll put, you know, just as much as I need, you know, to, to hit it. But if you really like put the work in, like, okay, I'm going to shoot so this arrow goes as far as it can, it doesn't matter if I miss the first target, the second tar- uh, target, the third target. It's going to hit something, you know, because I put the work in to actually pull it back and, and struggle and struggle and struggle until, boom, it's, it's gone now. And, you know, opportunity, I say opportunities will always come your way if you're just, you know, staying consistent because it'll, it'll get hard. It will get hard. I mean, I got, I got to the point where I started selling food on campus because like <laughs> I needed some more money. So it was like, um, I love to cook. I was selling chicken trip fettuccine was my go-to. Everyone loved it. So <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Definitely. I, I, I can't assure it that the people won't eat it before it gets there. So. so I guess I'll kind of start to maybe ask you a few questions about what you've sort of shared. So I guess one of them is a lot of people have that issue at community colleges or maybe even when they do transfer that like they're kind of stuck back where they were. So they're either stuck in high school or they're stuck at their CC, even though they transferred in terms of their mindset, sort of the way you were. When it comes to sort of getting involved in a new place and being present and actively engaging there, how did you push yourself to do those things? And what advice would you give to students who maybe like this is the moment where they realize that they're not being present, but they don't know really how to go about that shift in mindset? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, I would say, for me, number one is finding a, a goal and a purpose for why you're there. And I'm someone who spent a lot of time, you know, self reflecting, kind of like finding who I am at my core. I think once you figure out your purpose and your goal, it makes it so much easier to get involved with things because then you have a sense of direction mm-hmm. of like what you want to do, how you want to do it. And I mean, I don't have the perfect answer because I think it's, it's something, it's different for everyone, you know? Yeah. Like some people stumble into, into what they end up doing. Some people plan and fail and end up doing something completely opposite. But I, I always say, I think the, the first step to, you know, figuring out how you're going to do it is, you know, looking in the mirror, as cliche as that sounds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I, I think you gotta you have to figure out what's best for you because I can tell you my way but like I said I'm some I'm very bold like I'm not scared to to fail it's happened so many times that it's like okay well you know I'm keeping pushing but I know some people are you know 
more like sensitive to change, sensitive to um, to um, starting over. Uh, for me, I I would I always encourage people when they graduate to even if it's not that far away, just just go somewhere different, you know, and experience life where you're not in your parents' house or you have to make decisions for yourself. And it's it's gonna be scary for a lot of people, but you'll find in the end like you'll grow so much because it's like if you spend so much of your time, you know having someone to lean on when things get really hard, you kind of have this tendency to, whenever, you know, the fire gets too hot, you'll just like run back to where, you know, you're comfortable. And, you know, being comfortable is a great thing, but it can also be very bad because if you get too comfortable, you'll never want to leave. And then if you never leave, you'll never grow. So I I would say, um, number one, just find time to reflect and talk to yourself because I can tell you my way, but what's best for Clint may be different for Ariana, maybe different for Mike, maybe different for Jessica or whoever, you know? <laughs> so I would say the first thing is, you know, with, with self-reflection, I like to write personally. That's how I get a lot of my, and I talk to myself a lot, kind of weird. Well, um, I talk to myself too. It's a thing. They say the smart people do, but you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But I would, I would, I like to um, self-reflect. I, I, did a lot of mine um, through like poetry, just writing down my thoughts, manifesting them, and then going about it that way. But yeah, I think everyone needs to find their own way to, you know, self-reflect. And then um, once you once you do that, you can think more clearly and, and be able to set a purpose and your goal. And then you can start figuring things out from there. Exactly. That's so much of kind of what I went through as well, like having a realization that I needed to realign and focus and understand what I was doing, which came with like my like major shift and all those things. Cause it was like, I was chasing more like prestige and like high paying jobs, like for, for what, like that's not the point. Um, but I agree. And it is different for everyone. This is why I like don't share my application. Cause it's the other thing. I'm like that's different for everyone. Like everyone is so different. You don't need to apply to schools as me. I did that yeah i like that mindset a lot um and it's hard for people to accept that i guess maybe another thing is like now that you've obviously like had time since 2013 or right it was 2013 okay (laughs) coming out of high school that whole journey is a lot and when you talk through it what maybe like if you could go back to that sort of 18 year old self what would you tell him to like keep him going that maybe an 18 year old right now in a similar position could benefit from? Um, I would tell him to adapt and listen. I can be a bit strong headed at times. <laughs> like when I set my mind to something, it's like, okay, this is what I want to get done. And sometimes I've probably made things harder for myself because I was so stuck in this is how I want to get it done. You know, just be, be open-minded to different ways of getting things done. Even if it's not what you're used to, if it's unconventional, you know, just be open-minded to that. And then also be an opportunist, like don't be scared to, to um, do things. If it's not directly in the path of what you like, how you see it going. Like, I think, like I was saying earlier, like I think basketball really drove so much of my thought 
process that I I lost like some opportunities on things that may have helped me with film now, like that could have helped me propel to where I'm at now. But I'm someone too, I, like I don't, I just, I feel like everything that happened that it, it plays into who I am now. Yeah. So it's like, just make mistakes, man. Just, just go out there, experience as much as you can because this is the time to do it. You know, there's going to be a point in your life where life's not going to be about you, you know, or you're going to have so many different responsibilities that you're not going to be able to just, you know, go out and and go to school anywhere in the country or get a job or accept a job anywhere in the country or whatever the case may be. So like right now, while you're young, you're vibrant, you know, you got all this energy inside of you that, you know, you want to do great and, and change the world, like exercise that right now. Like this is the time to do it and, you know, take advantage of your opportunities. Like no matter, it's going to be scary. It's going to be scary. Like I've moved so much. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> and even, I didn't even say this in the beginning. I was, I, I was born in Liberia, which is West Africa. And I moved to to uh, Silver Springs, Maryland when I was two. And then that's uh, like a year and a half later, moved to Minneapolis. And that's where I was raised. But I feel like I, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I feel like that is just my story. Like <laughs> everywhere, like I've always been the person like to adapt. Like everywhere I've been, we were just talking about this in class. They were like, what's your spirit animal? And I'm a, I'm a huge Lion King fan. So obviously the first thing I thought of was like Simba. I always say like I'm a giraffe because um, giraffes didn't always have long necks, but they love bananas. So they had to stretch the necks in order to get to the to the bananas that they love so much. And, you know, that's why I say the self-reflection, like that's the question you really got to ask yourself is like, am I willing to stretch my neck long enough day after day to get this banana? Like, is the banana worth the pain, the stress? that I'm going to get from this, you know, from stretching my neck. So I just think like, you know, adapting is, is so important because you just never know where life is going to go. So many times we plan things out and it never goes the way we think it's going to go. But you can't just quit or run backwards. Like you got to like, okay, this is where I'm at now. Like I have to adapt. I have to be a giraffe and continue to stretch my neck as uncomfortable as it is. And then, it's funny because you get to a point and I always, I always look back now, like three years, four years, five years ago. And it's like, the longer your neck gets, you're kind of like looking down, like, dang, I used to be down there. Like, that's crazy. Like now I'm like up here and like these bananas are not a problem, but it's like, it's still, you know, it's still a journey like in and of itself. But as I look back, I'm like, wow. Like I always think back to like working those three jobs. Like, I don't even know how I did it. I don't know how you did it. <laughs> and went to school, like. I went to school. I used to be at Cold Stone in my In and Out, all white with the freaking boots, like serving ice cream. And they're like, "Are you in the right place?" Like, <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, I work at both. I just got here. I didn't have time to change. So, do you want cheesecake ice cream or chocolate?" Like, <laughs> you know. So, you know, but that's. I think all of these things they build they build character and they they create who you are and if I never went through any of those you know hard time and circumstances I wouldn't be able to sit here today and be like hey I'm at Columbia like cuz I didn't even know like 
you know, like I said, like just being a black man, like a lot of times you don't see this happening to, you know, people who look like me. Like I don't know anybody in my in my immediate life who has walked the route that I have walked as a as a as a young man. So, you know, you just have to be able to, you know, like I said, take opportunities and experience and just not be scared. Like, here's a funny story, actually. When I was at Long Beach, there was this conference for African-American men. And while there, <laughs> I can't believe I did this. Mark Lamont Hill, he used to work for CNN, HBCU grad. He's a motivational speaker. He does a lot. And he was speaking there and he was giving out his book. And um, while I was there, I, I was finishing up a script, the movie Creed. I went to go see it and I don't like my thought process is just so crazy. I saw the movie and I was like, I feel like they're missing some points and I need to, I need to write this. So after I saw the movie, I spent like the next nine months writing the sequel <laughs> to, to the, to the second movie. Now, mind you, I don't, I don't know the director. I have no rights to anything, but I wrote the sequel and I sent the synopsis to, <laughs> what's his name? Shoot, uh, Sylvester Stallone at uh, Universal. <laughs> and they sent, they sent me a letter back and they were uh -huh. like, yeah. And they were like, um, basically saying like, don't send this to us again because um, we could get in trouble if, if we use any of your material without um, an entertainment lawyer. But in my mind, it was like, I, I still have it somewhere in here. Like, the fact that they, you know, MGM has Clement Gibson on it. Like, you know, they sent me a personal letter telling me, <laughs> yeah, don't do that again. But it was still crazy. I was finishing up this script. And, and this is why I say just be adaptable because I didn't know him. At, uh, I didn't know him before this, mm -hmm. but he's from Philadelphia. And um, the Rocky series is in Philly. And Creed 2 or Creed 1 was also taking part majority in Philly as well. So I knew he had the Philadelphia background. So when I heard that, like, that's a, that's a moment I had to, like, jump into action. So I'm like, I have this script. We have a connection through the, the, Philly, the Philly setting in the film and his background. So here I am in line. You know, everybody's lining up to buy his book. <laughs> Not only did I not buy the book, but I'm coming with my old book like, hey, I wrote this. You should read it, you know, and I gave it to him. <laughs> and like, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know, you know, I, maybe I was going to get kicked out of line. Maybe I was going to get shunned. Like, why would you, you know, like, why would you make this about you? But like, he, he reacted great. He was like, yo, this is dope. Like, the fact that you came here ready with the script. Actually, I wasn't even, like, that wasn't a plan, but, you know, he's like, he introduced me to his his assistant. I think she was even manager of the assistant, but she worked with films as well. And that was a great connection I made with Miss um, Stacey Muhammad. And I um, gave her the script and she's given me like a lot of good advice um, since then about, you know, writing and things like that. Like, it was like, it was a big, it was like, a big <laughs> 327 pages or something like that and she was like rule number one never give a, a 327 page script to anybody make sure it's under 100 pages and i was like okay that's just a quick story like just like showing like just be adaptive because you just ne i went there for one reason was there doing 
something completely different. And when the opportunity came, I just had to, you know, to act upon it. Even everybody in line was like high-fiving me and like, like, yeah, like they was like, you know, I was like, I didn't know what to expect. I was like, I thought I was gonna get booed out of line possibly. Like you, you didn't buy my book and then you just gonna come in here and give me your book. Like <laughs> to answer your, your, your question, um, I would say just be adaptive and, and be an opportunist, be ready for, for all types of opportunities that may come because you just never know what it may lead to. Exactly. Wow. I mean, honestly, like I said, inspire like an 18 year old, but I think you inspired me. (laughs) That's so amazing. You've just done so much and like really put yourself out there, which is true. Like who cares if they would have booed you, then you would have had another story. I love that. That doesn't come naturally to me, but it is something to work on. I'm going to try. I'll have my own story. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, I think as we kind of, because we've been talking for a while, (laughs) but as we sort of come to the end, I just wanted to briefly touch on, because I think it's a unique situation. You said that you mostly like as kind of a a child, maybe like a teenager, like you had mostly seen people do well sort of through the athletic route. Maybe I guess my question is just sort of like giving up athletics, probably not completely, but in terms of, you know, for a scholarship or for school. Yeah, must have been really hard. And I guess like for people out there who are like, oh, I want to be like the next Kobe or Curry or whatever. But then like maybe that's not the path for them. What would you maybe sort of like let them know or like what did you kind of tell yourself as you were going through that transition? I would say I feel like everything goes back to (laughs) self-reflection. As common as it may sound, I just... Well, at least for what I was telling myself then, it, it was hard, man. It was hard because I'm so competitive. And at the time, so much of my status in life was surrounded around this sport. So I was even at a point where it's like, you know, I'm very independent. I'm very mobile. I like to get up and go. Like I'm sitting day after day. And I lived in an apartment by myself. So like I was sitting day after day with my leg up, you know, just watching everybody enjoy. And then the worst part, my first surgery was on Halloween. And we spent like months preparing this Halloween party. And everybody's like, hey, Clint, woo, we're having a great time. Like, you know, like, thanks for, thanks for getting this party together. Sorry you couldn't make it. And I'm sitting there like, my life is changing in the, in the seconds. <laughs> and here y'all are just having a good old time without me now. But, okay, this is a story I would tell them. Let me just put it like this. And once again, it's Sunday, so we don't we don't preach. In in the Bible, um, I just see it like Jesus was this perfect man, and he had went around showing everybody that, like, look at all the great things I could do, like doing things that nobody else can do. And it's like the moment doubt came into any one of their minds, they started questioning him and forgot everything. That he accomplished in the past and that's something that as i was going through this point in my life i was that part of the his story kept running through my head and i had to remind myself like i guess i was relying on you know like my status as like oh basketball captain like i've been this guy for this long you know i was expecting um you know nothing to change but it's like when i when i wasn't able to play anymore like you know, thank God I had like a, a such a solid group of friends, you know, that um that have, even to this day, like we're still all close. Shout out to uh, Greenwood. 
but it was it was hard it was hard you know and i had to continue to remind myself like jesus was perfect like he did nothing wrong you know and show time and time again why he should be you know thought of higher than anybody else and people still doubted him you know and still like when when times got rough you know they they switched up and and for me like that's that was that was the main thing i learned during that process like i can't i can't depend on any other human being to you know not only not doubt me when things get wrong but like to not make mistakes because we're all human beings we're all going to make mistakes because i'm sure any one of them they probably didn't know that they were like making me feel this way but that was something i really had to sit down and think about and like wow like i mean if they can do this to him like i shouldn't be surprised that this may happen to me so just once again just be ready for the unexpected and you know when it comes you know you gotta you gotta learn how to 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 ride the wave of life because it's it's a big ocean it is a big ocean so if you're not able to to keep rowing you're gonna sink but i mean i think everyone's usually tested like when it gets to that point where it's like make a break you really get to see who's who and what people are really made of you know so i didn't i didn't know that i i could still live the life that i wanted to live without basketball and i think that story from the bible really helped me get through a lot of my rough times like not to say that you know don't count on people because people i'm not one of those people like i believe we're i i wholeheartedly believe we need people like you need people around you good people solid people but you can't depend on people for like your status or your happiness like once again it's it all starts with you like if you're gonna take the time you know it's gonna be ugly it's gonna hurt to look yourself in the mirror and be like hey like it's gonna be however long but i'm gonna i'm gonna find what's inside of me that's gonna help propel me to where i need to be but that that is often the, the problem it's like when you see people's goals and you see the work they're putting in a lot of the time it doesn't match up exactly. and and they'll you know question like why am i not doing this and why and i see this person doing this and you, you really you, we always only see the top of the iceberg we never see anything below that so yeah I, I i i if there's anything i want anybody to learn from this is self-reflect and find your own goal and purpose because it's going to be different for everybody exactly like the one thing you said too like it you were your own happiness if you wrong anyone else you're not going to be happy or it can be taken from you that's amazing i honestly like this is just so inspirational it's like a really good wake-up call i think too um for someone who's listening or for myself even i'm like sitting here like wow i need also one like kind of final question very unrelated but i'm just curious what who do you support like who's your favorite what's your favorite basketball team oh man um i've been a lakers fan all my life but um i found out when kobe retired that i was a kobe fan more so than a lakers fan and i love lebron james i think he is the most upstanding black man in i mean probably the history of sports like just from what he's done for uh for schools for young other young black uh, boys and girls 
um, just him being a father and like being in the limelight his entire career and never hearing anything bad about him, you know, like I I, I have so much respect for him. But <laughs> there it is. <laughs> but I spent so much of my childhood fighting for Kobe Bryant versus LeBron James. So it's still weird for me seeing him in the Lakers uniform. I just I don't know. It's like I'm I'm at a standstill because it's like I still love the purple and gold because I've loved them for so long. But it's like Kobe's not there no more. So I, I just find myself drifting a bit. But I, I love the game. I I would say right now I'm I like Zion Williamson and, and uh Devin Booker. Like I, I, I don't know if I have a team. I'm somebody who's I don't I don't like bandwagon people, so um I'm just gonna stay neutral right now, but I'm not not a big football guy. I used to love love the Baltimore Ravens and Ed Reed. Um, not a big baseball guy either. But I, I I do got a couple Dodger jerseys. I think we need to wrap this up. We've been going on for like an hour, but oh wow! Oh, but yeah. it's honestly like you have so much amazing insight to share, and I I really really hope that people can take away from this. I took away from it. So if anything, you at least inspired one person, which is the whole goal of this podcast. but I guess just thank you so much for doing this um we'll have like your LinkedIn in the description as well as like a link to some of the resources you talked about uh and yeah thank you just so much for being available to do this and being so willing and so kind Uh, and I really appreciate it oh you're welcome thank you for reaching out because I think this is important and I feel like this is um a podcast that's going to help a lot of people um i think transfer students sometimes we get lost in the in the way of things but um i i'm a proud transfer student i am a community college product and i am (laughs) am very grateful for that and if you need any other connections as far as like other people who may who may want to you know be interviewed have great stories because a lot of the group that i went to uh, the hbc tour with Mm-hmm. They're all doing great things. Like one of us, um, obviously I'm here at Columbia. Um, Belinda, one of my uh, one of my other friends, she works for Google. She went on a trip. Uh, one just moved to New York City. She works for this famous fashion designer, and the other one works for uh, Northwestern Financial. Like, so I'm gonna shoot you their information. Yeah, go for it. I would love to hear their stories. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Transfer Tea. Check back in next Tuesday for another episode.